Hi, welcome to Five Things, where we usually talk about five things happening in the world of social media. But today, things will sound a little different. If you can't tell, I'm not Joey. I'm Jessica Womack, a strategy director at Gray, and I'm here with Kofi Roberts. Today is our Juneteenth episode. Juneteenth's a holiday that kicks off a flurry of think pieces about DE&I initiatives, holds space for critiques of tone-deaf campaigns and editorials about what it's like to be the only one in the room. Kofi, how do you feel about Juneteenth? I'm feeling pretty optimistic about it. I love the holiday. It'll give me some time off. It's too early to say what I'm going to be doing, but I will be resting and enjoying some sunshine. Honestly, same. I think that rest is... <laughs> I would pay a lot of money to to rest right now. So um, much. But, you know, that makes sense because Juneteenth is really meant to be a celebration of resilience and strength. It's a moment to remember the obstacles that we've surpassed and the fight for progress to come. So today we thought that we would channel some of that energy, channel some of that celebration into a letter of sort. A letter to you listening, a letter to me, the mentor that taught you how to use your printer, and honestly, probably even the intern that looks up to you. Because today we're talking five reasons you shouldn't quit. Okay. Reason number one, you could be the next Serena. Like, I know that kind of sounds ridiculous. And honestly, as I was looking at my notes, I was like, is it silly for us to compare making decks every day to being one of the greatest athletes on the planet? But hear me out, like, just stay with me. I think that very similar to tennis and very similar to like Tiger Woods and golf. Advertising has for a long time and still a little bit today has been seen as kind of more of like an elite white man arena. And there is something really interesting and there's something really inspiring about the idea that it kind of just takes one of us to come in and kind of kill the game and set a whole new precedent for what the industry means. And maybe we just like haven't found that person yet. In some of the research that I was doing for this episode, there was this really interesting story about Roy Eaton. He was the first Black copywriter at a general market agency. And he wrote 75% of the agency's jingles in his first two years. And I think that's wild. Not surprised at all, but I think it's pretty wild. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, you know, we were kind of discussing it, but the idea that there are people who have come before us who are also Black who have done great things and like side the industry, but it does still feel like a breaking and entering kind of space. Like it still feels like when we come in, it's like, okay, we have a chance to set our own mark on it and like open the door for people behind us. So I think that really goes into the idea of being the next Serena of just like, yes, we've had other great people, but, and we like have seen their footsteps and we like read about them and learn about them, but we still feel like there's so much progress to go and there's so much space to go. And personally, as a creative, like as a writer, I always feel like when I'm doing something, I'm like, okay, when can I make that thing that wins that thing? Because that would kind of validate the decision to be like this creative person, like it's on your job title. And I feel like when you're creative, you're like, how can I flex that? Like that is part of my being. Like when people see you, they're like, oh, you look like you're a writer or something like that. And you're like, well, how do I make that happen on the other end of things? So yeah, for sure. I always find it funny that when someone says you look like a creative or you seem like a creative, it's almost kind of like a subtle compliment. But as a strategist, I feel like when someone says, oh, you like look or sound or act like a strategist, it's usually like a subtle read. Like it's kind of, it's usually not a compliment. <laughs> but yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's always from the outside. Like people are like, yeah, like that's just like such like a nice thing to say. But I'm like, do I look like I have my 
head stuck in like a book all the time or something. Like, I don't know what that is supposed to look like, but yeah. like definitely ultimately is. But I think whenever you're called out for being the thing that you are in your day to day, you're like, well, what does that actually mean? But it's always, I think, a compliment of like, I think that you'd be really good at that thing that you do, which is always nice, but you're just engrossed in it every day. And you're kind of like, yeah, but what if I'm also something else? Like, what if I'm something <laughs> other than, you know, a writer or, you know, anything like that? And then you get into your whole identity crisis. Exactly. But I think the TLDR of this is simply you don't know who you could be. And there is a lot of merit to that from like a more junior level. I think there's a lot of merit to it in a more senior level because this bleeds into a bit of like the second reason that we'll talk about in a second. But really, I am only here because of other Serena's in the advertising industry that let me be here and created a space for me. And it's just kind of exciting to think about if we don't quit, who you could be. Could you be Tiger? I don't personally know if that is the role model that we should aspire to be. <laughs> but in terms of breaking things and being amazing and great performance, I think so for sure. And I think another important note for all of the listeners, we are going to share a mix of fun tidbits and facts along with personal anecdotes. These are all just things that we have encountered and experienced and definitely reach out if you want to talk about them anytime. But want to make sure that everyone knows that we're talking from the POV of Kofi and Jess. But yeah, so that's reason number one. You could be the next Serena. Yes. And that leads us into reason number two. You never know who needs you and you never know who you will need. So like for me, even coming into advertising, I was like a journalism major. I was a marketing major. I did not know that advertising even existed. And it was like going into my college that I ended up transferring to meeting this black advisor who had the wherewithal to tell me, hey, like, do you want to pursue this different avenue? And then after that, getting into MAPE and having my first boss, LaRonda, who ushered me into Publicis, where I first started, and then having her tell me about the things that she's gone through and then making it to like Gray and like having my role models here. It's just been this constant ladder, which kind of goes to like, you never know who you'll need. And then like, I'm only like a mid-level writer, but I feel like I've already started seeing people who are coming under me who like talk to me and like shout, volunteering at my college's fair and talking to like young college kids. It's like, we're in a very small industry. And even sometimes like I feel personally that very early in my career, I don't know how much I can really give, but then you realize that there's always more that you can give than you think at any given level, just whether it's advice or letting people know that their fears are valid or letting people know that, you know, their work is good, even if they're not hearing back at the time, like there's so many ways to give back. And you really will notice that you start running into the same people very, very, very early on. Yeah, I feel that. And I also think too, you know, something I am trying to get better at doing in my life is giving people their flowers when they can still smell them. And I know that's kind of dark, but it's more a matter of like, it wasn't supposed to be. I know it sounded, <laughs> I know, I know. it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> um, but it's more a matter of like, there have been so many people in my life, particularly in this career, in which just watching them move and like watching them like interact in these spaces has kind of like made me say like, damn, like I want to be like that. Like I want to do that. And on top of it, there's so many people who I have gone to ready to cry, ready to throw my laptop out the window, ready to burn everything down that has been like, hey, what if you just like chill out for a second? <laughs> and like, I really leaned on a lot of people. And I think vice versa, I've been kind of a leaning pole for, for people to rest their head against when they need it. And so it's more a matter of like, you know, if you leave, there is a chance that someone was really 
depending on you and was really hoping that they were going to have, you know, your shoulder to cry on if they needed it. But yeah, can't agree more that I think it's important to think about who else you could lean on, who you could lean into, who you might meet, which then I think gets us to reason number three, yeah? Absolutely. And reason number three being that you're a part of an exclusive club. And that club is made up of three parts. That club is made up of misery. You know, the misery that we all come together and we know that we're in it together and we can kind of like be critical of things together because we know how it's made and we can look at the like friends that we've made and what they're doing that's so great and kind of be like, so I can actually do that thing also. And it's kind of this level of like love and jealousy and just like we're in this really competitive industry where we're just like always trying to be as good as our peers and they're also trying to be as good as us. Like that's the first tier of it. And then you have the next tier, which is possibility, which is holding on to that hope that you'll make that ad that is incredibly impactful and played and people outside of the industry watch it and reference it and know the lines of it. And then you have the final tier being tastemakers where the average person sees four to 10,000 images a day. And we influence a lot of that through advertising because we have paid ads, organic ads. These are ads that people can't avoid seeing. You know, we saw yesterday with the terrible wildfires, the Diablo organic ad got a bunch of extra press because it's like, Diablo, welcome to hell. And then it was this orange like sky. So like there's so much impact that advertising can have, whether it's stuff that we know that'll happen or stuff that just kind of happens, that we are the tastemakers of just kind of the general public. It's kind of it's pretty cool. Yeah. Can we rewind a second? Because I don't know if I would classify my day-to-day work as being a tastemaker, but I totally hear you because four to 10,000 images a day is a ton. I honestly can't even think of anything else. Like if you were to tell me what is something you do 4,000 times a day, I wouldn't (laughs) even be able to tell you. But the fact that I am seeing four to 10,000 images every day, whether or not I ask to, we should at least get to make some of them. Like I should at least get to see myself in a couple of them. And I think that there's something really fun and exciting about being a part of a group that gets to have a little bit of influence over that. I also want to go back to what you said in the first tier of the club. What are your... The most fun tier. Yeah. Talk to me a bit about that. What do you mean? I mean, I think it's just, there's so many hallmarks of a career, I think. And me personally, I'm like two, three years in or something like that. You know, you start this count, I guess, but it's still super, super early. And that's when you start making those moves from like junior to mid-level to senior. And that's when you start getting those opportunities to work on bigger projects and to pitch bigger things. So a lot of that comes with being deep in like the weeds of different smaller campaigns and like being a small part of a bigger campaign. And then that's when you just start seeing your friends and peers you've made start making those leaps and strides like people that you know. And you're kind of like, well, we're like the same age. Like we know each other. We talk and how are you doing this? And I'm doing this. But like, again, it's often like a place of just this almost friendly competition. But it's also just the idea that you know, where someone might be super excited about some ad, it's like, we're like, oh, like, I know how that came to be or something, because we're also engrossed in it every day. Like we make, we see how the sausage is made constantly, probably almost too much, which, you know, then just leads us to being a little cynical about everything, but in kind of, again, like a loving way, like we're just all like, uh, yes, we're tired, but we also couldn't do anything else. Like we need to do this. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like some of the most there is some like interesting contradiction in the people that you meet in advertising, particularly the other Black people that you meet in advertising, and that we are some of the most like cynical people. 
Yet all of us, like super cynical, super snarky. Like we are so quick to read someone like after meeting them 10 minutes in. But at the same time, there is such like an unspoken level of optimism. Like there is still this like tiny thing that like keeps us all here. That's like maybe, maybe we could create the thing that changes someone's opinion, inspires someone, creates an impact on the world. We could insert any sort of outcome there, but it is like we're all tied together as just like a bunch of like kind of sarcastic (laughs) weirdos that all hope for the possibility to one day make the thing that changes the world. So I couldn't agree more. Being a part of this club, whether it's a club people admire or a club that people are like, whoa, is a great reason. It's a reason number four. You deserve grace. The TLDR is... There's a lot of pressure to be amazing all the time when you are Black. And that goes for anyone who is pretty much in any industry. Like, this is not exclusive to advertising. And I think a lot of times, particularly when you're a bit younger, there is a lot of pressure. Honestly, probably too, when you hit more senior levels, there's a lot of pressure to fall into Black excellence in a way that I think can really burn people out. And If staying at this job is the thing that gives you a bit of grace, and if you just decide that this is just a thing to do five days a week, ideally, if you are working like a good amount to do five days a week and, you know, keeps things going for your life, I think it's also fair to say that you don't have to push to be amazing all the time. Like you deserve rest and you deserve grace. But what do you think, Kofi? Yeah, I mean, to go off that, really, there's, there's such an interesting stat about kind of black excellence and how it could lead to burnout, you know, and constantly striving to to like push the bar and like break through the ceilings and things like that, where, yeah, again, it's like, it can definitely be valid to just take a breather for a second and just like do the things that you're asked to do and not always feel the need to redefine something. So there's a very interesting stat that 33% of black professionals do not feel respected or valued at work. And then that leads to more than a third of those black employees intending to leave their companies within two years with Black professionals being 30% more likely to leave their white counterparts. Final part of that is that since Google actually like releases their turnover stats, Black employees make up less than 3% of the workforce. So for 3%, 30% like to like wanting to leave and like intending to leave, that's a huge percentage. And we also have an attrition rate that is 13% higher than the national average. So I think really going to your point of like, there is a level of Black people in corporate America that feel the need to be this standard of excellence clearly because we have all these stats of like people who have been probably running this hot since they were in middle school high school college you know you don't just end up in one of these jobs like you have to have been working at it being like been in these actual programs things like that and then you know you get to your career and you're like i'm so tired i'm exhausted all of the time and i think again that just goes back to that you deserve grace because you really don't know where everyone else came into this field at. You might've come in it from one angle and it took you this long to get there. And then like the person next to you might've kind of known about it before you and kind of been raised in it. Like maybe it's like been like a whole family thing. And like, there's all these reasons that you can get into, but really it's just the idea that each individual, like we just need to, if you're feeling tired, take that time, like just chill out, do the thing that you're expected to do. And if like the job that you're in gives you that time and space, maybe stay, maybe it's not so bad. Like maybe it's pretty great. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree more. I think there's also a little bit of 
There's a little bit of, I think a lot of the conversation around like hopping in between jobs is like related to pay. But I do think that a lot of it also is related to like moving up as fast as you can. And it all kind of goes back to like, I love what you said about like, we've been running hot for a while <laughs> because it doesn't just start the second that you get into your first job. Like it started in middle school, then it continued in high school, then it continued in college or whatever you did after high school, like you were running hot all of the time. And so staying at the job means that you can kind of chill out for a second. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, you deserve it. You deserve that moment. Yeah, for sure. Just like sit back and smell those roses. Cause like, I think to the point of raise like climbing the ladder as like fast as you possibly can. It's like when you look back on where you are probably and you look back at three, four years ago, you'd probably be shocked at where you are today. And it's a question of there's so much more to life. Like there's so much more of life to live. There's so much time to get to that place that you want to get to, whatever that place is, that you will get there probably because you are probably talented and you're probably great at what you do. So just take some time and just chill out. Yeah. And you will probably be happier for it when you get to that level in the future. Yeah, not to mention the way that whenever someone makes it from our community, they are like plastered everywhere. And then suddenly your parents are like, why aren't you Hallie Bailey in The Little Mermaid? And it's like, I'm sorry, mom. I can't even sing. Like, I, I, don't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. I'm not going to be able to remember. <laughs> lines exactly. like there is i think also an element of that on linkedin where it's like the person who gets all of the pictures and all of the posts is the person who won all the awards at like 17 and then suddenly mm -hmm. you now feel the need to meet that and match that and that's not fair it is not fair to you and it's something that won't be super sustainable in the long run so yeah reason number four you deserve grace you deserve grace. Um, and so that takes us to reason number five. Your rent is too damn high. Too so, high. Know, that's a word. That is a, a word. word. That's a word. Like, I can't even tell you, like, moving from Virginia to New York, there was definitely some sticker shock. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is just to have a roof over my head. This is insane. And, you know, when you look at what you get, you're like, this is even crazier. But then you're like, I need to stay here because I love this city. Like, you know, suddenly it starts <laughs> to make sense and it starts to get scary. And I think that leads into this whole other conversation of like, once you start getting in, like you come in and you think, I don't know how I could ever get used to the lifestyle that like you start seeing, like when you're at happy hours or, you know, when you're just like around, like in like you're meeting new people who live in one of the most expensive cities in like the world. And then you're here for like a bit longer. And then you start adding these things to your daily routine and you start, you know, feeling like you need to do some of these things. And then you turn around one day and you realize, am I becoming part of the coastal elite? Like you're kind of scared. You're looking like the mirror, like I would never be that person, but suddenly you are. And yeah, like your budget needs just expand. And then on top of just paying the rent. So I think that's a good reason. To stay that at your job. That's a great reason. You got to pay your rent. Also okay. too, I mean, I love and appreciate and like really value how often the Black community like really loves to like uplift entrepreneurs. And I will celebrate Black-owned businesses till the day I die. Will Definitely. I ever own a Black-owned business or be an entrepreneur? Likely no. And that is okay. 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 <laughs> I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of baggage that comes with being an entrepreneur. Not everyone is cut for it. I personally, if I were my own boss, I probably would fire myself. <laughs> because I just don't think that I'm cut out to have kind of that that grind mentality. 
And I think that there's a lot of people who similarly can relate. On top of it, like hustle culture is great sometimes, but hustle culture all the time is a lot. And it goes back to I'm our tired. last. <laughs> I'm tired. I don't want to hustle anymore. I don't, don't want to hustle. I actually want to walk at a leisurely pace. I want to stroll. What happened to that, to gliding culture? I'll take exactly. that. Exactly. What happened to like Sundays, you know, <laughs> just chilling out, chilling out, going to get brunch with like your friends and being like, Work starts tomorrow. Like, that's it. Yeah. And there's literally nothing wrong with that because there are a lot of opportunities to pay your rent in other ways. Exactly. And (laughs) it's like, look, I'm like, I personally would love the four day work week. Like, I don't need hustle culture. I don't need to be an entrepreneur personally just because, yeah, I don't want to work like five days a week is is like great, but it's tough. Okay. (laughs) Seven days a week which is what you'd have to do to own your own business. It's just like, I don't need that. You know, it's like, I like stability and I like having a team around to help me and like help me grow and help me learn and like learn from. And yeah, like I don't need to be the maverick. I don't need to be the the like pioneer because I realized I'm still tired from middle school. You know, like I just want to. <laughs> I just lingering that exactly. sixth grade was rough i'm still feeling it 20 years later really <laughs> <laughs> i agree and it's really important that we have them in culture i like i said i will always uplift the maverick oh for sure i just don't know if i have it in me to be one and listen if you're listening, to those who are though Absolutely. yeah huge shout out huge shout out and it was also really funny listening to what you said about coastal elites because i do think while it is super true that a lot of times when people, you know, move to the coast, it's, it's easy to become a coastal elite. Some of the things you're talking about are happening in like Austin. They're happening in <laughs> Dallas. They're happening like rent going up is kind of everywhere. And I also think that it's becoming more and more common for people to find joy and happiness in things that you have to pay for, unfortunately. Like it's the like dance classes or it's like the... I don't know, trips to the thrift it's store. Therapy. It could yeah, be. Yeah, it could be therapy. Expensive. You got to pay for that. No one told me that therapy was going to be as expensive as it is. And exactly. I straight up was like, what if I just talked to the mirror for a little while? Because that feels free. Which you know, is not it feels true. free. That's feels not what free. we're recommending, everyone. <laughs> that is not a recommendation. But it's, it's not going to work because <laughs> it's just you talking to you. Like, you need yeah. someone else who's like trained in this. A hundred percent. Doctors. Everything mm-hmm. there's so you can't treat yourself. But the point you is, can't. I could probably make my own latte, but I'm not going to get into <laughs> the whole like Starbucks conversation. The whole coffee. If you didn't, no, yeah, I promise <laughs> it doesn't matter how many coffees I buy. Just kidding. Anyway, everyone, we're just sharing our own feelings. <laughs> but reason number five, your rent is too damn high. All right. So just to recap, here are the five reasons you shouldn't quit. One, you could be the next arena. Two. You never know who needs you. Three, you get to be a part of an exclusive club. Four, you deserve grace. And five, our favorite, your rent is too damn high. That is our show. And no matter what you decide to do after this, quit, stay, something in the middle. Hope you have a restful and rejuvenating Juneteenth year community and close that laptop. If you have any questions for us or for the show, you can reach out by emailing us at podcast at gray.com. But otherwise, those emails can wait. And as always, thanks to Joey Scarillo, Samantha Geller, Amanda Fuentes, and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes.
On the most recent episode of Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas, host Jason Connor speaks with Rob Perting, the founder and CEO of Q-Code, the Los Angeles-based audio production studio behind star-studded and critically acclaimed fiction podcast starring celebs like Rami Malek, Cynthia Arrivo, Demi Moore, and Matthew McConaughey. You'll hear Rob's story of how he left his job at a talent agency with the pursuit of giving creatives a new outlet to tell their story. Check out Rob's story or any of our past episodes of Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas anywhere you find this podcast. I'm Kofi Roberts, and for Jessica Wilmack, ciao. The Five Things Podcast is off next week to honor Juneteenth. This show will be back in your feed in a few weeks. That's it for us. Thank you, listener, and please be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York, produced by Joey Scarillo and Samantha Geller. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Amanda Fuentes and Guy Rosemarin, with post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde and Adrian Hopkins. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.